Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. All right, guys, well, welcome back to the Equipping Your Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And with me is uh, my new friend, brother in Christ, Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah, man. Uh, can you tell us about uh, your life, marriage, ministry, and any ministry projects you're working on? Yeah, well, I'm from uh, Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, it's where I am presently, where I, where I grew up. Uh, I was saved at a Baptist church here in Mansfield when I was 10 years old and, and baptized and uh, then moved to a Christian Missionary Alliance church uh, during my kind of formative middle school and high school years. Uh, met my my now wife. Uh, we are high school sweethearts. Uh, got married after college, spent about uh, 10 years down in Louisville, Kentucky where I went to seminary at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, ministered in the first church that I served in a vocational capacity down there, uh, and then moved back to uh, Mansfield to the church I mentioned as as part of my formative years, Westwood Alliance Church here in Mansfield uh, back in 2019. So my wife is uh, Darcy. We've got three children, Lizzie, Etta, and Winston who are seven, four, and one, almost two, uh, respectively. And uh, my my official role at, at Westwood is, uh, my title is uh, Associate Pastor of Preaching and Ministries, which means uh, I preach every other, every other week. And uh, with the, the lead pastor and that ministries is a catch-all, they can kind of give me anything that they want me to, to do. And so one of the things, though, that I that I get to do and privileged to do is oversee uh, what we're calling Westwood Theological Academy. And so that's kind of my current ministry project is, uh, is that uh, certificate program where accredited through Crown College, uh, which is up in Minneapolis. And uh, it's a 30-credit hour uh, kind of cohort type program where uh, we go through the 30 credit hours uh, over the course of two years, uh, one course at a time, and looking forward to graduate uh, our first group uh, here this this coming May, going through the, that, that two-year program. So I'm um, kind of a jack of all trades, but based in uh, Mansfield, uh, which is right in between Cleveland and Columbus on 71. If you're familiar with uh, with Ohio, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's really cool. So that's a that's a local church based uh, certificate program. Is that right? It is. That's right. Yeah, really it cool. is. We we meet live. Uh, there's all kinds of online options out there, but that's not us. We're we're uh, uh, doing it live, gathering together uh, once a week for eight week courses, and doing kind of the uh, what you'd expect of kind of Bible college uh, sort of classes, intro to New Testament, systematic theologies, church histories, that 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 sort of thing. So that's, yeah, that's it's been good. And it's it's cool to be uh, almost through the first rotation uh, here coming up, coming up in the spring. So 
Well, it's definitely to be commended. So thank you for for doing that. That's a needed and absolutely critical ministry, I think, in our in our day. So really uh, excited to hear about that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, can you uh, tell us about the Holy Spirit, the Helper, Volume Seven of John's work? Quite a mouthful. Uh, why you why you edited this? You know a bit about the series as a whole, and how you and the other editors hope it will be received. Yeah, so uh, Crossway a couple of years ago uh, commissioned this republication project of the works of John Owen, which are available from Banner of Truth uh, presently. And um, the Banner of Truth edition is uh, basically photocopies of the William Gould edition, which is from the 1800s. And uh, it has been well received and well utilized and in my own life and the life of the other editors and and in really the the church at large as part of this kind of renaissance of uh, Puritanism in the last few decades. And so uh, that's not any knock on the the banner edition and the Gould edition. It has uh, served the church well, but Crossway wanted to, uh, because of the importance of John Owen, which I'm sure we'll get to later, uh, really wanted to uh, kind of give an update uh, to 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 really do him justice in something that is newly edited, that is a, a critical edition that provides uh, extensive introductions and helps to the reader with various indices and uh, headings and footnotes that explain these obscure references that Owens might that Owen might make. Um, and so that's really the kind of the heart behind the project is to, to give a, an update to the complete works of John Owen, uh, which is uh, what was in the Banner of Truth edition, but includes some things that were not uh, part of the Banner edition, uh, including a fresh translation of some of his uh, Latin work um, that uh, was kind of lacking. And so uh, it's uh, it's a, an attempt to uh, kind of hand off somebody who we think is extremely important, uh, John Owen, to uh, readers today and the next generation and kind of as uh, accessible and as pleasant uh, of a format as as possible. Wonderful. I think that's absolutely I, I love that. I mean, I'm a I've been a fan of Owen since I was a teenager. I think I started reading him as a teenager, maybe shortly after that. And yeah, uh, just, just well, John Owen was my uh, was my entryway into the Puritans. My my mentioned my wife Darcy, her uh, my father in law. Uh, it was uh, the pastor of the church I'm at now for for thirty some years, and uh, when I was seventeen years old, dating Darcy. Uh, wrestling with a call to ministry, kind of getting my hands on anything theological I could to read. One of the things I pulled off of my uh, father-in-law's shelf was the the death of death and the death of Christ. Uh, Ooh, Owen's 17? treatise on uh, yeah, I know, 17? right? I was wow. I was in way over my head. I was in yeah. way over my head, but I it, it kind of gave me a uh, gave me a love for Owen and for the Puritans and for historical theology. And so uh, Owen and I go way back as well. Very, very appreciative of him. You guys are homies. 
<laughs> yeah, something like that. I think I had a T-shirt at one time. Right, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Who? So, who is John Owen, and why is his work continue to have an influence on the church today? Well, John Owen was a uh, Puritan. Uh, he lived from 1616 to 1683. Um, he was part of the the move, movement of Puritanism. And if you don't really know what Puritanism is, a, a basic way to think about it is uh, in the 1500s at the English Reformation, uh, the Church of England became reformed or Calvinistic, if you will, in its doctrine, but not in its worship. And what worship looked like. And so you had the, the Book of Common Prayer and a lot of carryover from uh, the Roman Catholic Church into what worship felt and looked like in the Church of England. And the Puritans wanted to further the Reformation into what worship experience was, uh, not just the doctrine. And so uh, uh, John Owen was a part of that movement of got the name Puritan from wanting to further purify uh, the Church of England to further the Reformation. Um, and so John Owen was um, born uh, and kind of raised and came into maturity in the pre-Civil War years. And so uh, he was uh part of a, a Puritan family. He was educated as a Puritan. He he was kind of, uh, uh, well, he could live, slept, breathed Puritanism, and it was a part of that movement. And he was really coming of age and matured in, in his ministry and in, in his publishing career during the English Civil War, during the 1640s. Mm. And uh, there was a time of great upheaval in, in England, uh, and, and we can talk more about that context if you would like, but he, he kind of rose in the ranks uh, during that Civil War period to become uh, a have an administrative position at, at Oxford uh, University, to be chaplain to Oliver Cromwell, to be preacher uh, at Parliament, to, to really be in the kind of the upper echelons of uh, the Puritan political movement uh, during the 1640s and 50s. And then when uh, uh, the, the Stuart monarch, Charles II, was invited back in 1660 to take the throne and the, the Puritan political experiment of the um, Commonwealth kind of uh, was fading into to history, um, he fell out of political favor. And so the last decades of Owen's life he really focused on pastoral ministry and on uh, his publishing ministry and, and some of the, the, the most uh, well-known works of his come from the, the 1660s and 70s when he was uh, kind of flying under the radar, so to speak, in the larger English society, but still very much active in, in ministry. And uh, volume seven, uh, that I that I worked on and, and we're discussing here here today uh, were were two treatises, uh, the reason of faith and causes, ways and means of understanding the mind of God. Those two treatises were written in 1677 and 1678, respectively. So uh, Owen, kind of a mature reflection 
uh, a seasoned pastor uh, in his old age writing on uh, these topics uh, related to the Holy Spirit. And so I think Owen today uh, is still has an influence because of uh, the volume that he wrote, uh, the fact that he was. Uh, we really don't talk about Puritanism after, say, the 1690s or 1700. And so he's at the tail end of Puritanism. And so he's kind of a, a synthesizer, so to speak, of uh, kind of Puritanism in its mature form. Um, very influential in his day. And then because of the amount that he published, uh, very influential in the um in the centuries that that followed him and he was one of the very uh favorite puritans of uh some 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 of those who you, uh your listeners might know people like Martin Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones, JI Packer uh and those who were on the front end of reintroducing the puritans in the 20th century uh John Owen was a a favorite and so he he continues. Uh, and I'm very thankful for for his influence that continues continues today. Mm, that's really good, brother. Um, how does a right by that? I mean, a biblical and an orthodox view of the Holy Spirit as described by Owen help the Christian today? Yeah, I think uh, Owen is going to be um, classically orthodox when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Right? He 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 wrote um, a a standalone treatise uh, on the Holy Spirit, and then he wrote several smaller treatises on on the Holy Spirit. And uh, part of his significance when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit is is he was self-consciously doing something exhaustive in a way that other people had not been exhaustive. So we look at different Puritans that worked on different subjects. For instance, uh, Thomas Goodwin on Christology, if you will. You, you don't get any better when it comes to Puritan fair on Christology than Thomas Goodwin. Uh, all the Puritans wrote on communion with God and, and all in different uh, members, uh, persons of the Trinity. But Owen really is preeminent when it comes to his exhaustive work on, on the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit being the third person of the Trinity, distinct from the Father and the Son, based on the relational component of procession, when it comes to inseparable operations of uh, the divine nature, including uh, the will at the level of nature and not at the level of person, such that the, the Father uh, initiates what the Son accomplishes and the Holy Spirit applies. Uh, th these are the sorts of categories, classical Trinitarianism, that, that John Owen is going to be working in. Um, but where I think he is most helpful is when he gets into the uh, details of the Holy Spirit's work. And so in volume seven, uh, that, that we're talking about here today is, is really his twin treatises on illumination, looking at what does it mean for the Spirit to illuminate the scriptures. Uh, other treatises I worked on, you know, the Holy Spirit as comforter. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation? Uh, the Holy Spirit in prayer. How does the Holy Spirit aid the believer uh, in 
in the life of prayer or spiritual gifting, right? What, what is it? What are the ordinary and the extraordinary spiritual gifts? And how does the Holy Spirit dispense those both in the scriptures and in today? And so I think really where John Owen is most helpful on the spirit is when he gets to those very specific practical questions that he is exploring from that uh, kind of classical uh, tradition that he has inherited of who the spirit is and and how the spirit operates in tandem with with the father and and the son yeah well i think owen's teaching on this following as everything that you said is is really important because we're living in a time when as we talk about on this podcast from an apologetics perspective where the Holy Spirit is under, I mean, it's no small thing to say this, but the Holy Spirit is really under assault. Um, and yeah. uh, the idea that the Holy Spirit is a force, a genie in a bottle, if you will, and so on and so forth. So I think Owen is eminently, he's, he's critical for our times. Um, you know, in, in addition to reading the Bible, of course, you know, with Owen always, test all things and hold fast to what is good. But I think this is, I think this is really uh, an important thing for people to, to really understand, especially those who would say that the Holy Spirit is a genie. Um, if they just read the the Bible with Owen, uh, they, they will really understand, you know, what the church has taught about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Owen is mainstream when it comes to, uh, his views of the Holy Spirit, and he goes into way more detail than most other authors do. But he is a helpful corrective because this is anecdotal. But in my experience, either the Holy Spirit is underemphasized um, or overemphasized. Right? I mean, th there's there's a sense in which we need to place our understanding of the Holy Spirit in biblical perspective. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit applies those benefits that have been purchased for us by Christ to us in time. And we see in Scripture the Holy Spirit constantly focusing attention on Christ, right? Not drawing attention to himself. So Owen is going to uh, be helpful in the sense that he's exploring really kind of exhaustively the biblical categories of who the Spirit is and what the spirit does, uh, but maintaining those biblical categories um, and not kind of drawing attention or overemphasizing in a way that can be uh, unhelpful, unhelpful as well. Yeah, that's really good. How does a right, and I'm going to qualify that again, a biblical and orthodox view of scripture as described by Owen help the Christian today? Yeah, I think, um, Scripture in many ways today is under assault when it comes to its sufficiency. Um, mm. And Owen holds, you know, he, he's going to hold, I mean, we often think about the attributes of God, uh, but Owen's going to hold to the attributes of Scripture. The Scripture is inspired, that it is inerrant, that it is sufficient, that it is uh, there's a perspicuity to it. It is clear uh, and it's authoritative, right? These are the attributes that, that, uh, and, and more that Owen is working with, but especially on uh, sufficiency. Um, the, when he talks about uh, the reason of faith and when, when Owen 
uses faith in um, this treatise in this volume seven of, of the Crossway republication. He's not talking about saving faith per se. He's talking about a, a confidence in the legitimacy of divine revelation, you could say. And so that's what he's talking about. The re- so what is the reason behind our faith? Well, scripture is self-authenticating. There is no reason beyond scripture, right? There are proofs, there are, right, working out, massaging of things that might be supposed contradictions or errors in the right. But at the end of the day, scripture is self-authenticating. It is sufficient. Um, and it is the ground of our confidence of uh, divine divine revelation, which is the, the word, which is scripture. And so I think uh, Owen is helpful because he holds such a high view of scripture when it comes to uh, its its sufficiency. You don't uh, it's not going to tell you uh, exactly what career path to take, if you will. It's not going to tell you uh, who to marry or who not to marry, although it does give you some guidelines and some parameters there, for instance. Um, but everything that you need to know uh, for a a life that is uh, reconciled to God and in proper relationship to uh, our, our fellow uh, human beings is is found in Scripture. You don't have to go looking elsewhere. And so I think that might be the most helpful uh, aspect of Owen's discussion of Scripture is just its its sufficiency. That's really good. That's that's uh, that's as you said. That's inner salt today <laughs> uh and absolutely on on i mean in every way i mean gender sexuality adam is a real person real history sin i mean i mean the whole the whole nine yards everything is up in my estimation for discussion today and redefinition and we need guys like owen to help us on that and and it, and i think one of the things that owen does especially well is he presses home those truths to our hearts you know the Puritans just do that really well, and uh, that's one of the reasons I appreciate Owen and others uh, like him so much. So, well, Owen and the most of the Puritan authors they were they were pastors too, right? Uh, they were pastor theologians. Uh, the the Puritans described um, pastors as uh, physicians of the soul. You're probably familiar with that, um, and so they are probing. Uh, the depths of their own heart and those whom God had put in their care. Uh, and at the same time that they're they're drinking deeply at the well of scripture and trying to bring those two worlds together, right? They're trying to understand the human condition and the human experience and apply uh, the right um, interpretation of scripture to those circumstances. So they're very much uh, boots on the ground kind of guys, you know, these are not just kind of philosophical exercises for them or ivory tower theologians, if you will, right? They're, they're do in the trenches of ministry as they are writing, uh, very learned, uh, expositions of say the doctrine of illumination, uh, at, at the same time. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, how does Owen's teaching on the doctrine of illumination help the Christian today? Yeah, I think Owen is helpful on the doctrine of illumination because he is careful to define what it is and what it isn't. And I don't know if you're like me growing up thinking of the doctrine of illumination, 
um, it's hard to put in to words exactly what it is, right? I mean, what do do believers have some kind of benefit over non-believers when they're approaching scripture? Um, you know, there's very famous uh atheists and critics of scripture that know Greek way better than I do and know the Bible way better than I do, uh, but yet uh are are not reconciled to God and are not believers. And so do I understand scripture more than they do because I'm a believer or what, what is, are we talking about something in the mind? Are we talking just about something in uh, assenting to the truths in it? Or are we talking about application? What are we talking about? We're talking about um, illumination and um, what Owen is trying to do in his doctrine of illumination, right? He's trying to, position, and this is somewhat contextual for him, but I think it has parallels to our own day. There was an irrationalism um, that was manifesting itself in some of the, the sects in English society, like the Quakers, or some of the more radical sects that appealed to special revelation, that it appealed to um, something that was beyond uh testing if you will and so he's he's trying not to go the direction of special revelation or irrationalism he's trying to avoid uh the pitfall at the same time of rationalism which is saying it's just merely intellectual and it's just me and my reason coming to the text of scripture and answering questions that would be in owen's day the uh, representatives of that camp would be the socinians so he's trying to avoid the pitfall of the quakers and those who want to appeal to special revelation there um or extra biblical revelation uh, revelation he's trying to avoid the pitfall of uh, the Socinians and rationalism and saying that it's just reason and approaching the text. And at the same time, he's trying to avoid the appeal that the Church of Rome is making to tradition that is authoritative. And so Owen is trying to carve out space. How does the believer come to the text of Scripture and read it with the aid of the Holy Spirit and therefore interpret it properly? Um, and for, for Owen, that, uh, that illumination is really for the whole person. Yes, it's for us to understand what is actually being said in the text of scripture. Yes, illumination is giving us, uh, hearts to assent to it, right? To say, not only do I understand what it says, but I believe that what it says is true. And then also, in the realm of the will in applying these things, not only do I know what it says and agree that it's true, but I desire to then apply it to my life and, and go and live it out. And so Owen, I think, is helpful on his doctrine of illumination that way, because even though he takes two treatises to do it, uh, he, he's really trying to probe what what are we talking about when the Holy Spirit illuminates and he, he provides some some clarity holistically on what the work of the Spirit is uh, in in that specific ministry of illumination. That's really good, really really good. What are what are some of the rules of biblical interpretation that Owen discusses, and how can these rules help the Christian today? Yeah, so. Uh, Owen, two treatises in volume seven, uh, just to give some 
context for for our listeners here here today. The reason of faith is is really talking about um, the ground of believing that Scripture is truly God's word, being Scripture itself. Of course, the work of the Spirit being the one who who enables us, being the efficient cause, if you will, of assenting to that truth. And he he talks about these two treatises as his twin treatises on illumination. And the second treatise, then, the causes, ways, and means of understanding the mind of God, is just that kind of his. Okay, now that we've got because of the work of the Spirit, the fact that Scripture is God's word, then how do we understand what God is saying to us in that word. And Owen divides um, really the approach to scripture into into three categories when we're trying to understand God's intention, right? Because scripture is both divine and human. There's a human author, there's a divine author, uh, and it is mysterious to, to an extent for sure. But ultimately, we want to get at what is the Holy Spirit's intention when it inspired, when, when the Holy Spirit inspired this text. And so to get to the bottom of that, Owen talks about um, spiritual, disciplinary, and ecclesiastical means of uh, trying to probe the mind of God in the scriptures. And because we're relying on the spirit, the, the spiritual means is, primar- is primarily prayer, right? We need to come with a posture of humility, reliance on the spirit, praying and asking that the spirit would illuminate this text for us. That, so there's the spiritual means. Um, being uh, willing, the Owen will say to right, coming with a posture of humility, being willing to accept as true whatever we find in the scripture, uh, being willing to not only accept as true, but accept as good with a desire to apply whatever we find in scripture, right? There's a, a, uh, a putting in the spiritual means through prayer, uh, the, the authority of scripture above anything that might take priority over it. And so there's the the spiritual means of understanding scripture. There's the disciplinary means, which would be more of the traditional things we would think of like study of original languages and context. And uh, when the Bible talks about Mount Nebo, right? We, we get out our Atlas and we look, where is that geographically, you know? And so there's, there's, when it comes to language and context and understanding of genre and rhetorical forms and, and all that goes into kind of, um, the study of scripture and, uh, understanding that these, these are human authors that are communicating in a certain way. And we need to, to, to dive into that, to, to understand, uh, what they, what they are trying to say to us. So there's the spiritual means, there's the disciplinary means, and then there's the ecclesiastical means. And when Owen talks about the ecclesiastical means, I think he's very helpful because he says, right, there's the promise in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit will guide the people of God into all truth. And if the Holy Spirit is working and God is making good on his promise there, then we know that the Christians throughout the ages have been being led into the truth. Now, they're not beyond criticism. They're not beyond correction. They're not beyond mistake. But uh, there are insights 
and understanding that can be gained from those who are, uh, you know, contemporaries and those who are interpreters of the Bible in the past. And so the ecclesiastical means Owen would very uh, much want to say we are in a tradition and a history of interpretation that is not beyond correction, but it should certainly not be dismissed either. Uh, we shouldn't be reinventing the wheel every time we come to to the Bible to interpret a text. So long, long uh, answer put concisely, there's spiritual, there's disciplinary, and there's ecclesiastical means uh, for Owen in, in how we approach Scripture and understand it. Yeah, that's that's really good, brother. Really, really good. So why was he why was Owen concerned with writing about biblical interpretation in the church and how can this help Christians and the the church today? Well, I spoke to this a little bit. So part of it is his his context. You know, he he sees, right, we we often as authors, as preachers, as pastors, right, we're, we're trying to be sensitive, what are our people dealing with? And um there's a lot of change going on in England in the middle of the 17th century. Um, Parliament declares war on the king and there's a civil war. Um, Charles I is actually executed, uh, and which is kind of unheard of in Christian Europe at the time. Uh, there's this Puritan experiment there where there's kind of broad freedom given when it comes to religion there wasn't the same mechanisms in place to kind of crack down and, and bring about uniformity so there's this puritan experiment the monarch is invited back and then there is persecution that ensues in the rest and all of I describe that just to say there's like there's a foment there's cracks in the edifice if you will there is uh, things happening that would not have been allowed to happen in previous decades in English history. And so you have a, all kinds of new ideas rising to the surface that took the name of, uh, you had those who were a part of the official state church, right? The Puritans, the, those who were com comfortable or uncomfortable with the Book of Common Prayer and what, what the English worship looked like at the time. But then there was all those that were outside the Church of England or maybe weren't outside, but were, or were going contrary to the Church of England, like the Socinians, for instance, who are Unitarians. They deny the divinity of Christ and the work, the spirit as a person, right? They see that as irrational. And they're very much believing the Bible, they say, but they say that they have the most rational approach to the Bible. So you have this, this view that's circulating in England. You have uh, Quakerism rising in the 1640s and really growing immensely in those decades of upheaval who are appealing to an inner light, appealing to a, a special revelation that is not accessible to other people by definition, right? It's not something written down, written down like the scriptures. Uh, you had uh, various other uh, sectarians, whether it's the Muggletonians or the Ranters or the Baptists or uh, others who were uh, kind of the going parallel to the Church of England in many ways, but but uh, in one degree or another, were either appealing to reason or appealing to 
uh, a, myst a mysticism or a special revelation or appealing to tradition. Roman Catholicism was always a threat. And so Owen is seeing all of these options that are now available uh, to people that he's ministering to that maybe weren't uh, available before. And so he's trying to speak into that debate to be biblical and talk about who is the spirit, what is the scripture, how does the spirit help the believer as the believer approaches scripture in a way that it defends against some of the excesses and pitfalls of, of what he's seeing go, go on, go on around him. Yeah, that's that's a really really helpful explanation, brother. Do we do we need men like Owen again? And and if so, what would they? What would a somebody like that you know look like in terms of their ministry and character? Oh my goodness, I don't. Certainly, we do. Yes, we need uh, people who um, are um, convinced and have a kind of singular focus on uh, understanding the times that they live in, uh, understanding the scriptures, and applying those scriptures to the time uh, that they live in. And so uh, I, I don't think we want a world where everyone is like Owen, <laughs> you know, but but we certainly need people like that. And, 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 I, and I don't know exactly what it would look like uh, here today, but, but I think it would look like a serious commitment to the scriptures it would look like a serious commitment to christ and and having kind of a all-encompassing kind of all-consuming vision of of understanding interpreting and applying scripture for for the church today so what exactly that looks like i don't know but we certainly uh need need giants uh of the faith who are doing some of the heavy lifting for us uh, that that the church can benefit from, and the church uh, in the coming decades and generations can can benefit from as well. Mm, I think that's a really good answer. I do. Well, where can people go to find out more about you, either on your website or social media, if you have it? Uh, I have a very underwhelming social media presence. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook, just with my name, Andrew Balich. Uh, if you want to find out more. Uh, about the church I serve at, uh, you can uh, look up westwoodcma.org. Uh, we'll take you to our church website. And I mentioned our uh, Theological Academy. Uh, that website is westwoodtheologicalacademy.org. Uh, and so um, I got off Twitter a few years ago for the sake of my soul, and I don't regret that decision at all. Uh, so no, no Twitter for me, but, but you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, uh, under, under Andrew Ballage. Yep. Well, we'll, we'll be tagging you when this goes up on, on those for sure. So. All right. Very good. Yeah. Well, brother, there's a, there's a lot that we could talk about, about this subject. We could go on and on and on about it, but really, but just as we wrap up, do you have a few takeaways for those who listen and watch this show? Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, we need, um, church history. Uh, we're we're not somehow untethered, and uh, our our history goes back before 1980 or whenever the church you're a part of was planted. Right, uh, we're a part of a a spiritual and theological legacy that I think the Puritans are a part of, and and I would say the Puritans, when it comes to 
soul care and when it comes to pastoral ministry and it comes to really understanding us as human beings, how we tick um, and applying uh, scripture to the, the kind of universal human situation, I, I can't think of a better group uh, or couple generations in church history uh, of people to to go back to as, as a resource for um pastor theologians, pastoral ministry than, than the Puritans. And John Owen is certainly uh, one of the preeminent um, Puritans. And so I would just say uh, to, to listeners, we, we need those who came before us. Um, the Puritans are a really good place to go as far as a group for those who came before us. Uh, and John Owen is is certainly a helpful representative. And so uh, go to them. Don't be afraid to uh, pick them up in abridged or unabridged versions. Um, and one of the things that I find about the Puritans is that you read them and sometimes you think, you know, they know my soul better than I know my own soul, <laughs> you know, and and uh, so devotionally and for pastoral ministry, for understanding um, who we are as human beings created in the image of God and, and what is required of us and how we can live in right relationship with God, the Puritans, you just can't go wrong. And so um, the Holy Spirit, as we kind of started out, is a underdeveloped subject or an overemphasized subject at times. And so I, I would just encourage you to, to find Owen on the topic and see if he can't give us some, some balance uh, for today. I certainly think he does. Mm, I agree with you, brother. That was a really good answer and uh, really have enjoyed the time today, brother. Uh, and so thankful for your work on Owen. It's important and uh, excited about the rest of this series. Guys, uh, this book volume that we've been talking about is the Holy Spirit, the Helper, Volume 7 on John Owen. Um, I encourage you to go pick this up. It will, as Andrew said, be very helpful for you. And be on the lookout for the other volumes. Like like uh, Andrew said, Crossway has invested a lot of time and, and money and resources into this. So it's something worth uh, definitely checking out. And, you know, um, I, I'm sitting here. Smile. You can't see me, but Andrew can. But as Andrew was giving that answer, I'm sitting here smiling because I've said similar type things on this show many times. So I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you, brother, so much for your time. Yeah, Dave. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.